shooting the shit. The podcast bringing bathroom banter from our home to yours. Sit back and relax on your porcelain throne. So, welcome. You are my first guest. Oh my! On, uh, on this little, this little podcast, uh, ha, podcast because it's on a toilet, um, which I am currently on. <laughs> uh, so, I wanted to first interview you, and actually, I'll introduce everybody to you. Uh, everybody who is listening to this at some point. Um, <laughs> I am speaking with Megan Mary, who is my classmate and also friend and also all around beautiful human. Oh, <laughs> Inside so and out. Um, and Megan has a really cool background. And so I kind of wanted to start everything off with kind of talking about what led you, Megan, to go into deaf education. Um, and then we can kind of offshoot off that and talk a little bit about. Um, disability and disability awareness and disability pride so I, would love to I guess know. let's yeah let's get started so I'm so excited well first of all thank you for having me oh. honored and all those things right back to you um first of all also I am so honored to just be able to call you a friend you are easily oh. one of the best people that I've ever met in my entire life so same to you thank you Eat star <laughs> Truly. Um, so backing up a little bit about myself, um, obviously we are both students studying deaf education. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah. <laughs> and I did my undergraduate degree studying American Sign Language English Interpretation, and um, which was really amazing. So I'm actually certified to do um, educational interpreting in the state of Illinois. And if I take another test, I'm um, able to do kind of some basic freelance. Yeah. Um, that was the goal before I went into deaf education. And I still really do love interpreting, but I am really happy that I found this um, deaf education. And who knows, I might go into deaf, I might go into interpreting during the summer, you know. Yeah. Do, never know. Um, I have been learning sign language since I was uh, about 10 years old. And that's a fun story. Yeah. <laughs> How did that all start? <laughs> so that happened. Um, I, well, when I was born, I was born with pretty messed up legs. I had um, like congenital uh, orthopedic deficits uh, or defects. And I required multiple surgeries. So one summer I had recently had a surgery and I was just uh, hanging out in the library and I found a book and I still have the book. I was just looking at it the other day um, and it's called uh, How Can I Help? Um, Emergency Signs for the Hearing Impaired. Wow. Obviously nowadays that like is not what we call people yeah. who are deaf or hard of hearing, but it's an old book. <laughs> um, and it was just emer literally emergency signs, you know, there's help and hurt and what's wrong and um, they had the numbers and the alphabet and I just was obsessed with it. I, I guess I have maybe slightly an obsessive personality sometimes where like, if I, if I like one thing, I like it. Yeah. I really, you're really committed. Like it. You're loyal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And so I, that summer, went through every single book on sign language the library had. I ordered books from other libraries. I was so into it. Taught myself, just literally memorized all of the, um, everything it had in it. And by the time I was, and that, that uh, year, it was fifth grade, and I also still have this. We had a career day in our fifth grade class where we all picked, like, um, what we wanted to do whenever we grew up. Yeah. And people, you know, picked firefighters and doctors. Picture and, and start exactly. I picked, <laughs> I picked, I wanted to be a sign language interpreter. And it is still, yeah. Yeah. I knew in my yearbook, my uh, fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Brown, shout out, wrote, good luck with the sign language. And here we are today. Uh, yeah. And I literally just continued to teach myself as internet became more popular. That was super yeah. helpful. Um, I did the thing everyone did is, you know, you teach yourself songs that I found online and looking back, I'm like, Ooh, that was kind of rough, but I still, I got there eventually. And by the time I started college, I was pretty much able to have a basic conversation. And luckily I definitely grew from there, but it was still really fun to go into my first semester of ASL um nobody knowing anything and I was the one interpreting for our deaf teacher whenever yeah. we got frustrated. You had, that, you had that baseline which was really awesome. So um, how did your parents uh enjoy your your signing? Did they start learning oh. to or did they just were they just like what is going oh. on? <laughs> got tired. they got so tired of me asking them we would play because I would ask them to play this game. Um, where they would just list off words and then I'd say them in either Spanish or sign language. Oh <laughs> and so I'd, I'd say, let's play a word game. And I remember playing it with my mom while we were waiting in doctor's appointments. Because again, I had so many surgeries. Yeah. I'm always in the hospital, always in doctor's offices. And also I have, you know, an autoimmune disease. So again, just always in waiting rooms. <laughs> so my mom and I would play it and eventually it's just like, Megan, stop. I like, we know, you know, all these. We words. have all the words. You know, all the words. <laughs> But otherwise, they were very supportive, and I think it was probably pretty soon into it that they knew that I was going to keep following this, and yeah. I never really wavered from it. I never really went through another phase where I said, I'm not doing sign language. Mm -hmm. I knew from then I'm going to do sign language. That's awesome. Thank you. What would you say is your favorite, I don't want to say part, but like aspect of, of signing, um, <sighs> and of, of ASL, yeah. I love languages in general. Mm -hmm. I took Spanish. My school was um, very lucky to offer Spanish from second grade to 12th grade. So I took yeah. Spanish from second to 12th grade. Um, that's not to say I'm any good at it anymore. I can read it. Are but... any of us good at it anymore, I feel like? <laughs> I was, I really thought I was some hot shit, man. Yeah. But I love languages in general, and I, there aren't many, if any, other languages besides sign languages that work specifically with a community that, you, you know, obviously there is some discussion on whether the deaf community, if they are disabled, if they're not disabled, yeah. um, which that is a whole other thing that I would love to get into, but, you know, that it's such it came from them requiring to have some form of communication yeah. that didn't follow everyone else, you know? 
even people who are um, vision impaired or low vision. So you don't they have braille, but it's still not necessarily a way of communicating. No, it's a, it's for them. It's, I don't know how to describe it. It's just because it's, it's text mostly. It's, it's Mm -hmm. different. It's just accessibility kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess you kind of uh, brought it up, but the, I guess the conversation of is deafness a disability? Yes, yes, yes. I, and obviously I am not deaf myself. I cannot you know, say for sure that yeah. there isn't one right of or wrong. Right. Nobody is speaking for the community or anything. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, but I, through my years of learning in school, and we talked about this, you know, kind of day one in deaf culture, that it's kind of this catch-22 where deaf individuals, there's, then there's also the little d and capital D. Should I expand mm-hmm. on that a little bit? Yeah, that'd be great. So there is, um, Little d deaf and little d deaf is when you're writing it out and you don't capitalize the word deaf. Um, and little d deaf means that you are kind of medically deaf. You have a hearing loss, whether conductive sensory neural makes you have a hearing loss, period. And it's a medical definition. But if you are a capital D deaf, you capitalize the letter D when you're writing it. And that means you are culturally deaf. So that usually means you um, use ASL you kind of value the deaf community, deaf culture, and you are immersed in that environment. You have deaf friends, you go to deaf events, that kind of situation. And capital D deaf people are definitely more hesitant to say that they ha- uh, have a disability, yeah. but they also have recognize a lot of times that they have to claim they have a disability in order to get, um, you know, the things, you know, ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act, and they benefit so much from ADA, as everyone does. First of all, I would love to go into that another time. Like, we all benefit from ADA. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, they use interpreters. They, you know, have access in schools because of ADA. But to say that they are disabled almost feels like they are giving up something of theirs they're kind of sometimes very defensive that I'm not disabled I can do anything um that you can do I just can't hear it's like yeah yeah so they're very proud of that yeah and that's true definitionally too Mm -hmm. so it's interesting yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh I'm so sorry I think we both got a message (laughs) mention the chat yeah So I guess I wanted to talk to you a little bit more, I guess, speaking of ADA and specifically um, interpreting services and how you went into educational interpreting, Mm -hmm. what is that field like? Um, And I guess, like, what is it like now? Because something that we've discussed, I know, is um, the lack of access sometimes to high quality interpreting um, or the like the lacking in numbers. Um, And so I just kind of wanted to get your perspective as somebody who like, knows that a lot more and has kind of been involved in that field so yes um i did uh i did a semester as an educational interpreter and that was the path that i was going to pursue after graduation and and that in its of itself is kind of a delicate topic within the deaf community and i actually really do agree with this educational interpreting for some reason well i know why it's because the laws are a little lenient on it <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. for some reason. so there is a reason 
um, it's the easiest field to get into after you graduate um, sure. from an IEP, an interpreter training program. Yeah. Or IEP. And it is, it really is the easiest. So for in Illinois, you have to take this test called the IEPA. Mm-hmm. It's based on a five point scale. And to um, be an educational interpreter in Illinois, you need at least a 3.5. And that's mid-road. Wow. About, yep. uh, not I, a little less than half the people I would say graduating from a four-year program will get a 3.5. Yeah. I, for instance, got a 3.4 and I was very happy with that. I was yeah. More than happy. I was like, it's, it's a hard test, you know? It's yeah. It's, it sounds very intense. <laughs> yeah. But the 3.5, I think is unacceptable because, um, also another thing, especially in Chicago, but in general schools are willing to accept interpreters with less than a 3.5 because there's such a need for mm-hmm. interpreters. Yep. So they're willing to make those concessions and exactly. So they say, all right, interpret for a year, retake the test and mm-hmm. we'll rehire you essentially. And that's what I was going to do, you know, but that then the argument comes from other deaf adults and deaf children, deaf teenagers is that, well, we're getting less than quality interpreters mm-hmm. in the case, educational field in a setting where we're already at a disadvantage why should we be, why should the children be the ones getting a insufficient, insufficient accessibility, you know? Yeah. And I certainly saw that. I certainly saw interpreters who I would look at them and be like, oh no, they really should not be interpreting, at least least in this situation. But there's not really any way to regulate that. You know, you don't tattle on your other interpreters unless it's really a dire situation. Um, there's nobody coming in and checking to see, you know, if you're doing your job correctly, it's very just self-regulated. Yeah. And so after doing that, and that's one of the big reasons why I went into educational interpreting is because like these kids, you know, a lot of the times aren't getting a quality interpret interpretation. So how can they be expected to succeed when they're already at a disadvantage? Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's also not to say that there aren't amazing educational interpreters. No, of course. I think it, it's just, it's a very, it's a really wonderful field, but it's one that I feel like a lot of people don't, I, don't, I feel like a lot of people outside of people that are like involved in the deaf community, they don't mm-hmm. understand it and they don't really understand the, they, they don't understand it and they don't understand the purpose of it and like why it's so important and what quality actually means because I think there's a big especially if we're talking about English um written English uh versus Mm -hmm. ASL like the grammar structure is just so different so you can sign to somebody and communicate but when we're talking about all the standardized test kids have to take and everything it's 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 unfair it's completely it's not it doesn't make any sense um completely unfair yeah because it, it is like backwards. <laughs> it's backwards. There's no articles. There's no articles. Negations are on the face, you know. Yeah. So like when they're reading, they're very confused, rightfully so, because there's not, I feel like that's the one thing I've noticed that's lacking is like just the literacy work. Oh, um, yes. This is, yes. And making sure that people that are in the deaf community have access to that, because like that is something that is so important, I think. It just, it's, it's a lot of what our daily lives are every day. Like we scroll through Twitter or like Facebook or anything, Instagram even like, yeah, you can see the image, but the caption, like 
it's just like understanding the context of that is really important. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, I'm really, I would, I have so many deaf tutors that I look up to and I'm so grateful because it's because of them that I have access to this language. But, um, you know, I could see them sometimes struggle in, uh, if I would bring them a, uh, like interpreting a song, I would often, yeah. often come to be like, please help me. I have no idea where yep. to start. And, you know, um, sometimes you have to explain an idiom to them because obviously English so, is Yeah, it's a completely different language. <laughs> Once you explain it to them, then they give me this beautiful ASL and I'm like, of course, duh. Yeah. Um, but it's hard sometimes yeah. to make your brain code switch like that too, especially um, if you've never been exposed to certain things. Yes, yes, yes. But so yeah, educational interpreting, it's unfortunately seen as like a stepping stone for many interpreters mm -hmm. to then get on to do kind of quote unquote bigger things. Yeah. Um, but my, my, one of my teachers was very, very strict in this idea that it's not a stepping stone. Our deaf children deserve the best. Mm -hmm. And in fact, she was a big uh, proponent of uh, increasing, you know, the qualifications that you needed to become an educational interpreter yeah. because she saw what was happening. <laughs> But that's awesome though that I think I feel like things are starting to change and people are starting to see um, absolutely. it sounds kind of weird but I feel like because of COVID in a lot of ways people that normally wouldn't be exposed to interpreting have been because a lot of the states have been have been showing interpreting and making sure that their kind of reporting of numbers of any concerns is accessible yes. um, which I think it's been really cool because I get to see like different like states and different regional kind of signs that I didn't know existed. Yeah. <laughs> and you can see, I love seeing the variety of interpreters. Um, I love that with a lot of the Black Lives Matter movement, they've been using specifically black interpreters. That's a huge, huge, um, there are not nearly enough black interpreters or yeah. interpreters. It is completely a white female dominated field, without yeah. a doubt. Um, Another thing that I always like to tell people whenever they see interpreters on TV is yeah. how risky it is for them to be doing that. So it's, yeah. they, they, you do get paid quite a bit more whenever you're televised. No matter what, if it's televised, you do get an extra like television bonus pay. Um, especially if you're doing something like that. I'm sure they're <laughs> very much bonus pay. Um, interpreters don't get paid enough, I will say that. But um, it's a huge risk whenever you're being televised because suddenly all of these thousands and thousands of people can view your work. And I remember I said, people don't tattle on other interpreters. They can and will sometimes if they see a televised event and they yeah. say that was completely wrong, they can go to the, you know, Illinois commission of interpreters and they can say, this person did this wrong. Here's the proof and you yeah. can get your license revoked. So it's Just a like huge risk. Interpreting is also, you know, there's no pausing. It's immediate. Um, there is no waiting. If you miss something, you cannot ask the person to go back. You have to say, you have to just, you missed it. You, you can't do anything. Yeah. Because it's, so. it's like you have to be listening so carefully and your brain just has to be like automatic with the translation. Um, and that's the thing also is like, like you said, the translation isn't one-to-one. No, not at all. Yeah, so it just, yeah, it's a lot. I Watching them go on TV is oh amazing. My I'm just like, I can't, I can't process information that quickly. Especially my downfall always, always, always is numbers. I can, I, it, it's Numbers probably, are hard though in ASL. They're hard. It's I'm difficult. just, they just. <laughs> they start moving, yeah. 
I, so whenever um, I would be interpreting, luckily I was always interpreting under a mentor. So a person, a certified interpreter would be watching me interpret. And then if there was ever numbers thrown, I would immediately look to them and they'd throw the numbers back at me because (laughs) I could not, no matter what, hold on to those numbers. And you often have to hold on to them till you know, could never do it. No, it's, it's tough. (laughs) It is. It's horrible. (laughs) So I really do feel, I really, really, really do feel for all these televised interpreters. It's, it's yeah. just so stressful. And even I'm judging them and I am a baby yeah. interpreter, but I, it's so easy when you're out of the hot seat to go, oh God, you know, like, why oh, did they do that? Yeah. Interpret that or, oh, they fully just missed that. Sen- that's another thing. You would be surprised how often sentences are just completely missed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They, they either didn't realize it or they did realize it. And they said, I can't do that. Uh, there's, you know, yeah. I, well, cause at the end of the day, like interpreters are humans and mm-hmm. like, just like a doctor, they potentially could miss something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you also have to juggle, you know, what's, what's important in this. Mm-hmm. What do I need to get across? Exactly. I have done lectures before where it's just, this, this person was going on and on. It was super fast. And I said, I can, you know, either really do a really great job interpreting this you know one sentence and miss three other sentences or mm-hmm. I can take all you know five of these sentences condense it mm-hmm. and get the general idea across and I'm yeah. like which one is more important and I think it's the general idea if you can yeah. get the important information to the deaf consumer that's what you need to do because if you know you're going to miss the other sentences just drop them it's not them. yeah yeah because a lot of those, especially when someone, at least in an educational setting, like the core information that you really need really doesn't take up that much time out of, out of like the whole period. Like I remember uh, when I was in a school in New York, they were like, oh yeah, our lessons are only like five minutes max. Like you teach them something like, because yeah. that whole point is like education in general, you should never be trying to like force feed all this information to somebody. You just want yeah. to teach them a skill, teach them a concept. And then let them take it where they want. There'd be in educational interpreting, you're probably interpreting for an hour a day, two hours a day, maybe. Just because, especially if you're in, you know, middle or high school where it's in, it's rotating every 45 minutes, you're just doing the first 10, 15 minutes and then they do their independent work. Yeah. And then if they need something or communicate with the teacher, yeah. But that's pretty much, yeah. Or if you're, then also, there's the other thing, if you need to interpret their worksheets or their mm-hmm. text into ASL, then you're also doing that. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I love talking about interpreting, and yeah. it's my favorite thing in the whole world. Awesome. Okay. So my, <laughs> my next question for you um, is a little broader, um, mm-hmm. and specifically because uh, we're kind of finishing up the month of July, mm-hmm. and July is Disability Pride Month. Um, yes. And so I wanted to talk to you about, um, obviously we had the discussion about deafness and um, the conversation of that, and is it a disability, is it not, who considers it such? Um, and I wanted to kind of get your perspective on just how would you, like how do you feel about, um, the ADA and also how important you think disability pride is. Yes, I love that. Um, oh, man, disability pride is incredibly important. And 
I didn't realize this until later on, but I am no longer, I, I do not consider myself to be disabled. Or I do not consider myself to have a disability. Um, but growing up, I was disabled. I did have a disability. I had orthopedic impairments. I was in yeah. wheelchair or crutches or canes or walkers for half my life. I had, you know, I can't even count how many surgeries I've had. And yeah, I, again, did not realize it, but I really, I really did have a pretty severe disability. Um, and going back to how we all take ADA is so important and we yeah. all benefit from ADA. If anything, there's the obvious kind of, you know, everything has to be wheelchair accessible. Yeah. It has to be, you know, ramps and also ramps have to be of a certain incline. They can't be yeah. too steep. Um, elevators, uh, automatic doors, <laughs> automatic doors, uh, braille. Um, whenever you're walking on a sidewalk and there's the bumps on the road, that's for yeah. people low vision so their cane can feel that there's a street ending and you know all these things that you don't quite notice mm -hmm. um unless you need it but whenever you do need it you're very thankful that it's there yes and you know live captions on tvs though that obviously that needs to improve so yes. much that yeah but captions like i know at least for me has and i i don't have a disability um and i haven't been disabled but it's captions change everything for me like it just I'm able to consume things much easier um I feel like I really pay I, I don't know it just like it's the way my brain works and I feel like it I, I wouldn't have that if it weren't for the disability community like I wouldn't have it absolutely in fact there was um a lawsuit by some deaf individuals I believe in 2013 or 14 mm -hmm. they sued netflix because netflix was not providing captions on their things and obviously that is unacceptable and they were netflix yeah. was definitely big enough where they first of all they should have had it in the first place but yeah. they were big enough where they they can afford also it does not cost that much to put captions on your things you know yeah. and also all their stuff none of it is live it's all pre-recorded so like they could have done that <laughs> it really does not cost it's not you I, if I ever did a video, I would do my captions myself because I'm cheap and I can do them. But yep. if I were, you know, a really busy person or a professional YouTuber or whatever, I would just send my videos to go off to get captioned. They, yeah. It does not cost that much and you make a world of difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I watch all of my things with captions just because, I don't know, I like it. it yeah, I like it too. It's better. I, it, well, it helps also. <laughs> my dad is hard of hearing. Yeah. And he, <laughs> I refuse to watch things without captions with him because otherwise the TV would be so loud it would hurt my ears. And that's not his fault. He just does, he can't hear. But yeah. <laughs> in an establishment, if you're ever in a restaurant or bar, the ADA requirement is for every four screens, one screen has to have captions on it. Um, but if you have only one screen, that screen has to have to. Have to. Yeah. But yeah. if you have more than four, it's you know every four, like if you're in a sports bar or something. Yeah. Now that I remember when I was little, I definitely used to face the one with the captions so I didn't have to listen to any conversation. <laughs> I would just watch the TV and read it. <laughs> it's great. I don't get disengaged from everybody else. I'm just reading. Let me read. Yeah. I'm like, this is good for me. I do wish that we, it was more of a practice here to include um, a small screen in the corner with mm -hmm. a live interpreter. For Agreed. That's, yeah. That's more common in other, especially like European countries. They do that yeah. a lot. Um, 
Because I noticed the states had the interpreters, not all of them, but a good amount of them when I was watching like coverage of everything. But like the White House press conferences that were going on for literally the whole month of March and April, they never had anybody. And it's just like, you're, you're in DC. Like <laughs> there's, there's never a huge, <laughs> there's a huge deaf community there. Like, okay. in, in DC and in Maryland like it's if you throw a stone you will hit an interpreter in DC yeah. <laughs> like, like, there are so many qualified people and highly qualified people that really? they could have gotten and done like a little video cutaway of them in the bottom completely in fact there's a few resources um I know the daily moth the daily moth I don't know if you've heard of them before yeah they, um, uh, every day they do a kind of summary of the news things that are happening in yeah. ASL. That's awesome, yeah. Um, because again, a lot of things aren't accessible for deaf individuals, even if the news is captioned, maybe their English skills aren't that great. Yeah, because well, that's the whole thing with literacy is, and also with live captioning, it moves sometimes too quickly and it gets choppy and it's, it makes you miss sense. things. You, you, def you definitely miss things. There's no way you can like successfully completely follow the whole story now. <laughs> no, we're gonna miss things. Um, and I think it was either Deaf Inc. or mm -hmm. some kind of Deaf Facebook group, but they actually were in later interpreting the next day um, the White House news press briefings. But it's like that should not fall on the burden of the deaf individuals. That is yeah, you know, and like the community being like, we're gonna figure it out for ourselves. Like yeah, it's unacceptable. Like, that's not, yeah, that's not the point of ADA. That's not yeah. the point of disability rights. Mm -hmm. And I am no means, I am totally not an expert at all on ADA. But I'm kind of surprised that it's, that, that, that they're allowed to do that, you know? Yeah. Just, but ADA, ADA itself is, has a lot of flaws and is in yeah. need of rebooting. Um, yeah, and it's also still so young in a lot of ways. For sure. Um, I always, like, forget. It was, yeah, it was the 90s. Um, mm -hmm. It hasn't been that long. That is. 30 years? Yeah. 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 No, and, oh, man. It just, it's kind of shocking just thinking about disability rights, how far they have come and how long they had to fight. Uh, you know, right along with civil rights movements, there was yeah. also a disability rights movements, and there was you know, the March on Washington where yeah. officers uh, would climb up the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But it's just, yeah, I think it's just understanding that, I think something I really appreciate, appreciate about right now is we're kind of seeing, there always has been the intersections of all of these movements, but mm -hmm. I feel like we're, we're seeing them a lot more visually, which is really cool, um, just because of the way social media has allowed us to do that. Um, and allowed people to really highlight how, like, being disabled and also being black or brown, like, yes. are layered on top of each other. It's not something that you can separate. Um, and it's a part of their identity. And it's something that uh, we have laws in this country that put them directly in harm's way. And that's not okay. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I love seeing... Um, people with disabilities lifting other people with disabilities but people of color with disabilities mm -hmm. <clears throat> really and recognizing that yeah you know recognizing that just because you are a person who has a disability you are still privileged you still have white privilege if you are white you still have that white privilege if you are a cis male you still have that privilege yeah compared to um you know your poc 
brothers and sisters and siblings. And I think being able to use that privilege in a productive way is really wonderful. And I feel like I've definitely seen that with um, the communities recently with the disability like rights community. They've just been wonderful about like creating stages and platforms, which has been really cool. Absolutely. Again, yeah, going back to just, it's not simple, but something seemingly as simple as having a interpreter that matches the situation, you know? Yeah. There were so many times, I still see every single day on my Facebook feed, people calling out, and also interpreters, they, for like rallies, for instance, or for protests, yeah. interpreters are not getting paid for that. They are just volunteering their time. And it's unfortunate that we have to ask you yeah. know, a black interpreter to volunteer. They're very precious time to do this yeah. and put themselves at danger. But, you know, they do recognize the importance of it needs to be a black interpreter up there. Yeah. Because if it's a white interpreter, that is just, you know, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah, I remember, I think it was like a few weeks ago, I was having a conversation um, with someone on the Nextdoor app because I decided to get it. <laughs> I heard it was rich with debate. Um, but then, oh, no. I don't know if I told you about this, but this man, like, tried sharing a video, um, and didn't say who it was in the video, just, like, had the link, like, oh, we should, like, check out this girl who's talking, and, like, when you click it, it was, um, Candace Owens, uh -huh. and my issue with that was just, like, and I asked him, I was, like, why are you trying to, like, why did you try to, like, trick people, basically, into, into watching this, like, why are you, like, so willing to hide her name because she is like a household name she's a known name yes you posted and, this on twitter or something. yeah and yes. he was just like oh well like i wanted people to like understand the message and not like be clouded by the messenger and i was like the messenger is a part of the message at the end of the day like that's what matters like you can try to take quotes out of context but the the messenger whoever's saying it whoever came up with that Mm -hmm. it, it holds a lot of weight absolutely it, the messenger is almost everything yeah you have to be able to look at the messenger to the, compare the message to you know you're, yes because you're like oh are they being because if you know the person and you know their background you're like okay are they being sarcastic um are they being ironic are they being serious are they because you can't actually get all of that sometimes from tone no absolutely from, like, not. It's, it's a lot of nonverbal, and the nonverbal stuff comes down to who is speaking. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And people make assumptions, and, like, that's kind of human nature to do that. So it's important to have the messenger represent, mm -hmm. at, like, appropriately what the message is. Yeah, and uh, you don't want it to be taken out of context, because I'm sure there are things that bad people have said that I may agree with, because it's kind of a general blanket term. Yep. But you don't want to be the one agreeing with something like that just because it is taking out of context. So. Yeah. No, it's finally. Yeah, messenger matters. I need to know who said it. <laughs> I need to see the person speaking or signing. Like, I need to. I need to, and I want to know what the context is about. Why are they saying this? What brought yeah. this up? Yeah. Like, is this from a script? Is this, like, did they repeat something they already heard? Um, is this their own personal views? I would like to know. <laughs> That's another reason why, sorry to always bring it back to interpreting, but instead of reading captions or um, reading a transcript, you can't get that from transcripts or yep. captions. You need the live person to show 
the facial expressions and <laughs> sometimes they'll be interpreted. <laughs> I've been to a few places where, or I've seen before where the interpreter is interpreting and the, the, the message is very like, if, if somebody is spouting bullshit, the interpreter will show it. Yeah, they're like, um. <laughs> they'll show, they will roll their eyes. And I mean, I, appropriately, of course. Yeah. But if, no. It's Someone's like blowing something way out of proportion. They're like, what? <laughs> you, oh, you will, I, will always get that kind of double take of like, did they really just, they say, just that? say that? Yeah. You know, and the, the goal of interpreting is to get the full context, you know, yeah. to the deaf humor. So if everyone in the audience is going, excuse me, like you want to make sure that your deaf client is doing that too. So yeah, you, that they're also like, did they really just say that? <laughs> yeah. You make a face, you go, uh, <laughs> you pause and be like, did I get that right? Like, are they really head turn? Like, yeah. Yeah. You show them that. It's important though. It. It's a part of our, like how we communicate as humans. I mm-hmm. feel like, like, I can tell immediately, like, if somebody's, like, upset or anything, or if they're confused just by looking at them. Like, looking at their eyes, not even, like, their whole face, just, you, you can tell. Oh, for sure. It's something that's really beautiful about humans, <laughs> and also sometimes horrible when you're trying to hide that you are very, <laughs> and not wanting to be somewhere. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So fun. Okay. So I just have a few more questions. So, this is so fun. I love like talking to you. Like we've talked in class, obviously, and like outside of class about stuff. But it's fun. I don't know, like getting to like hear your story from start to finish and everything. Um, so where was it? Ah, what is something that you wish people knew or would ask about the deaf community? And I'm talking about the capital D. Ooh, that is a. Fantastic question. <clears throat> I could write a book on things. <laughs> you should that, write a book. <laughs> you things that you hear as an interpreter. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, there are so many things. I. There are. You can you can look up so many. In fact, I will I will send you a video of a friend of mine yeah. who's deaf. Um, she is going to Gallaudet. Um for her master's in sign language education. Mm-hmm. And she's a really close friend of mine, love her to death. But she just had to re- had to create a, you know, video skit um, oh, talking about uh, uh, deaf, like, myths, you know, hearing people come up with these crazy ideas yeah. and they say things, yeah. And so <laughs> hers were um, the, what were they, the D files or the, the deaf files instead of the uh, X files. Unidentified hearing person, and it was really funny. But things that they say, you know, you know, oh, you can drive. Uh, you don't look deaf. Um, can you read English if you're deaf? Like just these things that they hear yeah. constantly. <clears throat> so yes, deaf people can drive. There's actually studies that show deaf drivers are safer drivers than hearing drivers because they're not distracted by music or talking on the phone. Yep, (laughs) makes sense. (laughs) I will admit it is sometimes very scary to be (laughs) in a vehicle when people are signing to each other. I will admit that. that Yeah. (laughs) Um, But even still, it's amazing what they catch from their peripheral vision. Like I, I I, I, don't shot. I don't know. Sometimes like. Exactly. No, I, I've been, you know, in a passenger seat with a deaf person yeah. 
lining to each other and I have to be fully turned looking at them, but they're, they understand me without taking their eyes off the road. So amazing. Um, we've talked about, you know, how, yes, some deaf people do have, um, literacy issues and Mm -hmm. that is entirely really based on the fact that English might be their second language. Yeah. It's not like, it's, it's not that they don't know how to read English. It's just, it is, it is a second language and it's also something that the education system currently at least doesn't support adequately. Yes, it is. That's kind of a real issue. (laughs) And, oh, I would love, I'm so excited to see kind of the generation we're going to be teaching and the generation that is currently being taught whenever they become adults because all of the deaf individuals that I've really interacted with thus far in my career were either my age or older Mm -hmm. and this was before cochlear implants were as you know good as they are right now and that is a whole nother topic of cochlear implants of course you You can do a cochlear implant chat or a device chat I would love to do that. All of them, yeah. Again, the deaf perspective is just, even just talking to my hearing friend who's going to Gallaudet for Mm -hmm. um, social work. Yeah. I asked her in her class, you know, how many of her deaf peers do wear devices? And she's like, none of them, you know, one or two maybe wear their implants or wear their hearing devices. But why would you when you're in a totally signing environment? Yeah. Which I totally get, of course. But we're so used to hearing, I would want to have them in just for my environmental sounds, but that's because that's I am hearing. Birds chirping or something, yeah. <laughs> a car coming by. Yes. Oh, have you seen those um, bracelets that vibrate whenever there's loud noises yeah. around? Yes. Very cool. Very expensive, though. So, but very yeah. Cool. That's so sick. <laughs> um, I forgot where I was talking about, but yes, devices. Um what were we talking about? I don't remember. Oh, we were, no, you're fine. We were talking about um, things that you wish people knew or would ask about um, the deaf community. Specifically, probably, like, I, I didn't clarify earlier, but we kind of went there, hearing people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. People, people that, <laughs> that aren't a part of the community. <laughs> I would definitely say to not assume that just because someone is wearing a device, mm-hmm. do not assume that they automatically can completely understand and hear you. Also, do not assume that they know sign language. Yep. I almost never, if I see somebody who, you know, has a visible device in, yeah. I won't start signing to them. One that's rude and just kind of weird, you know. Just, yeah. just <laughs> out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. But, you know, they might be late deafened. They might just yeah. have not never learned sign language. They might be embarrassed because they have a hearing loss. There's a whole, you know. Yeah. Might be a unilateral loss, so it's like... Oh, completely. So you never assume that they can completely understand you because Mm -hmm. they might not, even with the best of devices, they still may not be able to have access to speech um, and never assume that they know sign language. (laughs) Um, I have made that mistake before. (laughs) And, oh man, asking asking interpreters, uh, if you, this is one thing, that always bugs interpreters. If you are at a public event and that has an interpreter there, we do love, you know, of course we love hearing that, oh, I couldn't take my eyes off you. You were amazing. Yeah. It's kind of nice to hear that, but it's also like, oh, we're not here for you. We are here for the deaf individuals. Yeah. And people try to like come up and like, or they'll try to like come up too too close and like film and they're blocking the, somebody who is, Deaf, and I, I need your services. 
I have been filmed so many times yeah. and I have had to stop interpreting and say, you are blocking my way. They, they yeah. have exactly like, that. They have I'm blocked. not the, I'm not the show. Yeah. I'm, in fact, we are supposed to like not be the, yeah. the spectator. We are, That's we want to wear like dark colors. You don't have yeah. like jewelry on. Uh-huh. We are there to provide, we are there to facilitate communication and provide access. We are yeah. not here to put on a show. Yeah. There was, it's so interesting. And I took a course on music interpreting and it wasn't just learning about how to interpret music, which is a very, very fun and yeah, lots to learn there, but also just learning how to delicately balance uh, accurately conveying the feeling and tone and musicality of the music mm -hmm. while not becoming a show. <laughs> yeah. like, there's, you want to kind of, you're not going to not dance whenever you're interpreting music, especially if there's no lyrics, you need to show that music is, it, so, in the, yeah. and so music interpreting has gone through this like beautiful transition, um, of, of like pre 2000, honestly, like 10, I would say, uh, music interpreting whenever there was a, a pause in the lyrics and it was just music breaks all the interpreter would just like stand completely still and sign the sign music they would just say oh music music's happening and um it's that's still not happening <laughs> <laughs> still happening just they would sign music every now and then that's so boring for the deaf yeah. consumer so That's boring. how I do a concert. <laughs> yeah. But then in like 2000 to 2015, 16, maybe, mm -hmm. interpreters then, they were like, oh, this is horrible. We need to change this. But then yeah. they took it too far. Then that's when you see people like Amber uh, Galloway. Yeah. Pink hair. She's very, yeah. very famous interpreter. Um, nothing against her. I've met her. She's very, very sweet. But they became spotlight because they, you know, they are so talented, but they, the focus became on them and not the deaf individuals. Yeah. And so now we're finally finding this balance of showing musicality without drawing attention to ourselves. Yeah. And it's very hard to do because people still yeah. love us. Which yeah. Is like, but they're amazing. <laughs> but it's also like, I, I love watching deaf interpreters. Like, like I love, watching interpretive music because I just feel like there's stuff that I wouldn't get from it that like I can see oh, yeah. which Absolutely. is yeah there's just another layer to it which is I think really cool oh you said something I don't know if you know what you what you said but you said I could have misheard you but did you say deaf interpreter yeah for a second yeah <laughs> that's a thing do you know about deaf interpreters no oh my goodness this is a fantastic thing so there Yes, segue. You did a great segue. <laughs> there are deaf interpreters. They're called CDIs, Certified Deaf Interpreters. Okay. They are interpreters who they themselves are deaf. They are often native ASL users, um, and they become interpreters. And the biggest question that people ask is, how can they possibly interpret? They are deaf. How can that happen? And it's complicated, but it happens. Well, it's not complicated, but... Um, CDIs are used for a variety of settings, and in fact, there's a huge push right now to try to um, include CDIs in more and more things, because mm -hmm. this has always been a push for interpreters to, like, acknowledge the fact that we wouldn't have a job if it weren't for deaf individuals. Of and course. We do, you know, like we're interpreters, we have this whole, like, um, code of ethics that we follow, and one code of ethics is that you do pro bono cases. You do donate your time to give back to the community that gave you your career. Totally makes sense. And so the push for CDIs is 
it's, it's the best option to give the best access to deaf consumers. So CDIs are used in situations where, let's say you have a deaf um, consumer who is low, a low language user. There's debate on the proper term for them, but low language is pretty standard right now. A low language user, but that means that they don't, might not have a great grasp on you know a written or an oral language, yeah. and they might not have a super great grasp on a signed language either so there's a lot of gesture taken into play yeah. there's a lot of it's a very nuanced thing that to, to, to interpret for them and hearing interpreters are not equipped to do that hearing interpreters can of course but the best thing to do is to bring a cbi in a deaf interpreter in because they are trained and they do have to go through training to become a cbi they are trained to be able to take those gestures and take that and they will then turn it into ASL. They'll sign what they're interpreting from the yeah. individual and then a hearing interpreter will then take that ASL and put it in English. Or other way around, a person is talking, a hearing interpreter will sign that into either ASL or sign exact English, whatever the CDI uh, wants. They'll take that and then the CDI will look at the hearing interpreter take that and interpret it into whatever they need to get to the uh, consumer. Yeah, to get that. So, that's so um, cool because I feel like it goes like beyond the trans. I feel like that's what I really love is the language of like interpreter is like it's beyond translation. It's you are interpreting to get that full message across, and you will do what is necessary to yes. do that. And that's like the idea of a deaf interpreter. Yes. Th that's the purpose. Like it's because otherwise it would just be a translation if you just had the hearing interpreter there. Bingo. It's uh, amazing. I've gotten the chance to um, work with the CDI before. I've gotten the chance to observe many CDIs. Um, in Illinois, there are actually, there are only about 10 certified deaf interpreters. Um, so it's really, really an honor to get to see them. They're used in court. If there is ever uh, a person who needs to come to trial, and it's difficult. <laughs> oh, legal interpreting. Legal terminology is a lot. <laughs> legal interpreting is the hardest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Obviously, I've never done it because you need to be 15, 20 years into the. Yeah, I don't even know what they're saying. Uh, in per like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The few deaf interpret, not deaf interpreters, the few legal interpreters I've met have a background in law or paralegal stuff. You need to, I feel Yeah. You fully need to. Um, yeah, I can't imagine. No, 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 no. <laughs> a whole other world. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So to wrap us up, yes. uh, I have one more question for you, and then we will say our goodbyes for now. But more like a see you later, because we'll probably see each other very soon again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll be chatting away. Um, my question is, I guess, like I said, it would be for the audience. What would you recommend as first steps for somebody who was curious about um, deaf and hard of hearing individuals, deaf culture? Um, just what, what, what would be the first steps you'd maybe advise that would be like a good way to kind of get a well-rounded view of what they're getting into and not a one-sided one? <laughs> I love that question. It's a great question. Um, really, I'd say the number one thing that a person can do if they want to become, um, not even just involved in the community, but just, I feel like become a well-rounded person. I feel yeah. like I just think understanding how other people communicate is just, it, 
it's, it makes us, I think, more human. I don't know. <laughs> there is a big push with, you know, um, this uh, kind of social justice and equality, and they just, mm-hmm. you know, you want to understand that side, and I love that. Um, I'd say the biggest thing is to make sure you're getting your information from a deaf person or from mm-hmm. a website that is, you know, run by deaf people. So yeah. um, there are websites to learn sign language, to so many websites. Go to, you know, Gallaudet University's website. Yeah, start it like a... Yeah, there's a website called LifePrint. Yeah. LifePrint.com. They are a certified, like, you know, they are a deaf website. Mm-hmm. Um, other side, like there's signing savvy. Don't use them. Their their signs are okay, but they're eh, nah, yeah. people don't like very much. Um, there are a ton of deaf like vloggers on YouTube that will give you their full experiences. Like there is um, Chrissy, who is uh, let. Oh no! If you type in Chrissy ASL, you she'll pop up. She's she's the TikToker also she's that I thought. Oh, she's so yeah. good. She lives, yeah, she lives in Maryland. <laughs> very, very funny. Um, there, yeah, you can find so many. Um, I would say also go to, if you're not American, if you are American, mm-hmm. look up um, people who, you know, use British Sign Language or yeah. Australian. Because British Sign Language is cool. <laughs> very cool. I tease, I like to tease. I don't think it's as pretty as sign language. I know I'm biased, but I... Yeah, the two hands sometimes gets a little, I don't know. Kind of muddy sometimes, but yeah, like, it can get real. <laughs> you can understand it. Kudos. It's I tell you what, it's the most, it's the weirdest thing in the world. If you, whenever I pull up a video and someone's signing, and if I don't understand it, I it's like I'm throw. It's like you were you know, <laughs> listening to gibberish, but it sounds like English. And you're like, yeah, this, but I don't. It's yeah, like, there's snippets that like make sense, but oh, not together. I can, I can read their lips, and I'm like, but like, I'm like, whoa, whoa. So it's wild. I would just, yeah, get into the deaf perspective. Um, yeah. Read some signs. Learn, especially if you are in kind of the service industry. Learn mm-hmm. basic, you know, how can I help you? How's, have a good day? Stuff like that. Um, caption all of your videos. Mm-hmm. If you ever do post videos, caption your videos. Provide a transcript at the very least. Um, though that's not as good as live caption. Yeah. <laughs> um, follow deaf people on Twitter because they will always be posting things um in deaf news like Niall DeMarco just posted that there's yeah, be about Netflix this documentary how amazing yeah. is that that was sick really cool or something yeah was it I think that's I was like I didn't remember it being that soon but yeah it is coming soon I believe I'm excited I'm so excited for that and it's Gallaudet and it's super fun yeah, so, yeah. it's history yeah, history read up on deaf history there's yeah. a huge oh my goodness there's it's oh, so, so interesting. interesting. So interesting how then, you know, we could do a whole podcast on um, sign language versus oralism and mm-hmm. that history, which I would love to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, inform yourself, educate yourself. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for joining me today uh, and me. teaching, not only the audience, teaching me so, so many new things about um, interpreting, about ASL, about deaf culture, so, and disability rights, which is awesome. Fun. Thank you yeah. for having me. Well, I will ho- hope to have you again very soon. I would love to. I would love to. And I will, I will let you get on with the rest of your lovely day. Thank you so much. You too. Bye.